So the message for today is longing for connection. Um, and I could have named this message, I feel like, four different things. This message actually could have been three or four different messages, to be honest. But as I was kind of condensing everything down to really a 30-minute sermon, um, connection really kind of became the point uh, that I wanted to kind of discuss and drive home. Um, and I was just thinking about connection, how um, in today's day and age, it is so easy for us to be connected. I mean, I think back to way before my time, right? Before there were phones, before there were cars. I mean, it was it was hard to stay connected to people. You know, your families lived together because you couldn't move to another state or move to another city because you would lose connection with them. It would take a while to send a telegram or whatever. Um, but just to think kind of where we're at today. I mean, I think about things like social media. I mean, I love it because... My whole family is in the South, yet I still can stay connected to everybody. I can see what, which of my friends are having kids, which ones got married. I feel connected to people I went to school with a long, long time ago, people that um, I've met just one time. I mean, I went on vacation a couple years ago with my parents, with my sister and my mom, and I met some lady on the plane that lives in Canada, and we became Facebook buddies. And now I, I know what's going on in her life. And <laughs> I spent, you know, a three-hour flight with her. Uh, and we shared an Uber to, you know, a restaurant or whatever afterwards. Because if you meet somebody and you're going to the same place, we'll split an Uber cost, okay? Um, so I love it. Social media does that. It allows us to kind of stay connected to people, post stuff for people to see instantly, all that type of stuff. Um, another thing that I feel like has made connection easy is this magical little device, right? That's the only reason I have my phone up here. Um, is because this thing, I swear, is a, can be used as a gift, right? I mean, it can also be a curse, but this allows us to stay connected. I mean, back when I was a kid, I'm telling you right now, we had a landline. I mean, for those of you children that don't know what that is, I mean, it was a, a phone down the wall, and for a while, they didn't even have a, a, a portable one, right? It had the long cord, right? So if you want a privacy, you had to sit on the washer or the dryer, right, with the cord so that your mom didn't hear your conversation, right? And so... I know it's hard to believe, but we had one phone number. You know, I had some friends that were so lucky because they got to have their own phone in their room, right? That's what I wanted. That was always a request for my birthday, and I never got it, right? I wanted a phone. Not only did I want a phone in my room, but I really wanted my own phone number because I didn't want to share the number with my my siblings or my parents, right? Because if you have one number and one phone in the living room, you have no private conversations, and you have to get in line. Right? So there was a little bit of that sibling fighting to get a phone. So this thing really is beautiful because it allows us at any moment and any time to contact somebody that we have their information in here, right? We can call them. We can text them. You can be in Colorado or you can be in China and I can get a hold of you 24-7. And not only is it you can talk to one person, you have group text, Right. And I actually didn't even think about it, but this morning, today's my birthday. Most of you probably know that. Um, and I'm a triplet, which most of you probably know as well. Uh, so this morning, I was FaceTiming at two people, right? Both of my sisters were on FaceTime with me. And as I was thinking about this message, I was like, how amazing is that, that we are in three separate states doing three separate things, yet we can have a five-minute conversation and visually look at each other through this amazing little device I have right? That is connection, right? And, and if you live in Erie, I know, not a lot of you do, but if you do, or maybe this is in other areas too, on the Erie Facebook page, 
right? There's always a lot of conversation about there. But one of the big things you always hear people saying is, what what service do you have? Do you do you have Verizon or do you have Sprint? Do you have Comcast or do you have CenturyLink? People are complaining because the service is kind of crappy and eerie, right? Like some spots you can't get the reception, some spots you can. And so when you think about all of that, we long for connection. I mean, people long to be connected. I mean, it's just shown how we've created social media and we continue to use all of these things and we want to be connected. And when something happens and we are not connected, um, we kind of freak out. The funny thing is I wasn't going to word freak out, but Tana, I was talking to her about my sermon. I don't know where she went. There she is. And I said something about losing Wi-Fi. What do we do when we lose Wi-Fi? And she went, freak out. I was like, right? Like, we lose it, right? I'm immediately like turning my phone off thinking, if I just reset it, right? It just needs a little bit of a break. You know, it's been working too hard. So we reset it and they were like, please, please, please connect again. Or if that doesn't work, right, then I have some tech-savvy kids. I'm like, can you guys reset the modem? We need to hold it for 10 seconds or whatever, right? We want to be connected. We long for it. And when we don't have it, we freak out. So, um, but who is our biggest connection? Who are we supposed to be connected to the most? Yes. And Jesus knew that. So I'm going to... Um, read in John 15 today. That's really the whole passage that we're going to kind of tear apart and talk about is, is the passage um, in John 15. And Jesus knew we needed connection. And this passage really talks about um, that connection with him, with our father and what we need to do to be connected. Um, so before I start reading in this, in the parable with a story, as we would say at the non-biblical term is Jesus just told it to his disciples, right? But before that, before he started his parable or his story, um, I just want to kind of set the stage of where he was at. You know, he had just washed his disciple, disciples' feet. He had just had kind of his final meal with them. He introduced the Lord's Supper, kind of what that meant. And he was walking with them now to the Garden of Gethsemane. So he has his disciples with him, and he's headed that direction. And when he gets to the garden, for those of us that kind of know the story and the, and the progression of it, he's going he's gonna to pray, and then he's going to get arrested. And by midday the next day, he's going to be hanging on the cross. So here it is, John 15. We're at a point where Jesus knows his timetable. He knows he's not going to be here much longer. He knows that he needs to teach a final lesson disciples to us what do we need to do what's important what did he want to teach us so we're going to start in i don't know if we have it slide up john 15 um, so i'm going to read the whole passage and then we'll break it down so in verse one and i'm using the niv so if you have another version it might have a few different words um, but it says i am the true vine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that, so that it will be even more fruitful. You will already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. So as we look at that passage, it's pretty overwhelmingly clear that Jesus is talking about bearing fruit. He says it multiple times about bearing fruit. In verse 5, we see him say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, that's pretty, pretty big, right? Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. He's saying, remain in me and you'll bear much fruit. If you do not remain in me, then you can do nothing. So when I, when I started breaking that down and looking into it, looking into that, I started th- thinking, is that really our purpose? You know, Jesus is having a final lesson with his disciples. And he's talking about bearing fruit. And he's about to leave. And we're so sometimes wrapped up in defining what our purpose is in life. You know, there's blogs that you can read and books you can read and all the other things about how to find your purpose. What's in, what am I here for? What do, I, what do I need to do in life? Why did God make me? And if we look to Jesus, we can say, I mean, if you look at this passage, bearing fruit is a big part of our purpose, of who we are. And it actually can go back to our first commandment. When you look in Genesis, I think at the first time it's mentioned is Genesis 1, 22. It says, be fruitful and multiply. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. You see it again in Genesis 9 when he's talking to Noah. Be fruitful and multiply. So it's not, it's not a hard stretch to think that bearing fruit is kind of our purpose and what we need to do. But what is fruit? Right? In John 15, verse 8, it says, This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. So it's great. We're supposed to bear fruit, right? It's our purpose. It's one of those things that's important. It also brings glory to the Father. It brings glory to God that we bear much fruit. So what, what is this fruit? A lot of um, Bible scholars kind of point to um, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Um, that Jesus is really referencing this fruits of the Spirit, right? And some of us know those by heart. Um, The scripture says, but the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So how do we fulfill our purpose? How do we bring glory to God? And how do we bear fruit? So if you're taking notes, I would say my first point is God is in charge. In, the, um, in John 15, I told you we're kind of going to break apart the verses. Um, verse 1, at the very beginning, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Some other versions that you have might say he's the vine dresser. But um, 
But I kind of honed in on this scripture to say gardener. What is a gardener? Who is a gardener? What does a gardener do? Right? Um, I'm not, I don't have a green thumb, so I'm not a gardener. You know, it's, it's lucky if I can keep a plant alive with some help from people. Um, but a gardener is, is the person that maintains the garden. It's the person that looks at maybe an empty plot of land and it says, okay, I can plant this plant here because it needs more sun in the morning. But I'm going to plant this one over here. It needs sun in, in the afternoon or shade. See, I'm not a gardener, so I don't know all these details, right? But I'm going to plant this one because it's going to be more ground covering. So I need to make, make sure I leave it space. I've got this plant that's going to grow taller. So that's what the gardener does. He kind of takes all of the plants, kind of knows what they need and who they are. And he kind of puts this garden together. But he doesn't just plant everything and then walk away. Right? He he works all year long. He or she works all year long. Right? They weed. They prune. They cut back. They fertilize. They water. Right? And even those little pesty bugs. We were talking about at the family night. Somebody had some pesty bugs. I think Vicky had some on her little plants. And they were getting eaten. She was talking about what kind of insecticide or, or spray can I put on it. Right? That's what the gardener does. The gardener protects the plants. Right? So he might even spray some type of spray on it to keep those little pesky, pesky bugs away. Right? And in this scripture, in verse 1, it talks about God being our gardener. So he's our gardener. He knows the best about our lives. He kind of oversees where we're at. He's planted us where he wants us, where we're going to have the most water and shade and the most sun. So if he's our gardener, we kind of have to give us, give control to the gardener, right? The plants can't really decide where they're planted, or maybe they're going to be planted next to another little plant that they think it's fun and that they like, but then that plant has too much sun for where they're at, and then they're going to wither up. So we have to relinquish control of our lives to the gardener. And I feel like that's really the first step to bearing fruit is to really say, my life is not my own. And we kind of have a lot of issue with this, right? As humans, we're kind of controlling. <laughs> I know I am, at least. It's hard. It's, it's hard when we're looking at our little lives and our little group of people and we want everything to turn out how we want it to, right? We have a vision for what our life should be like. And so we're kind of control freaks a little bit, right? It's human nature, but if we really want to bear fruit, we have to relinquish that control. So if our purpose is to really bear fruit, and we have to give up control, we could even go as far as saying that without in order to find our purpose, we cannot find our purpose unless we realize our place. So if you're looking for your purpose in life, think about what your place is with the Lord, where he has you. Relinquish that control of life to him. So I feel like that's the hardest step, is kind of giving up that control. The next one isn't, isn't super hard. But if you look at the scripture, it says a lot about remaining in him. 
So our, my second point would be remain in him. And I think it is pretty obvious if you look at the entire passage, specifically the NIV version, Jesus mentions remain eight times in the first seven verses. So anytime Jesus repeats himself, I, you know, you've got to pay attention. What does he mean by that? If repeating himself, sometimes he's trying to get his point across. So if his mention of remain that many times is something we need to think about. So what does it mean to remain in him? I come back to connection. To remain in something, to abide in something, to be in something, to be connected. And it's a continual connection. But it's also a mutual connection. We see in verse 4 of John 15, Jesus says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. So not only is the branch connected to the vine, but the vine is also connected to the branch. So we're not alone. We don't have to work really hard and follow this list of to-dos and to-don'ts in order to be connected to the Lord. He is always connected with us. If we've really given our hearts and our lives to Jesus, and we can say, we're believers, we follow the Lord, then we are a branch connected to the vine. And he's not going to leave us. He's not going to get tired of us. He's going to stay with us. There's a couple of scriptures um, where I started kind of researching about his promise in the Bible to always be with us no matter what. So in Joshua 1.9, it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Deuteronomy 1.8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And Matthew 28.20 says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So we don't have to be worried. I mean, there's more promises than that. I couldn't read every scripture there is in the Bible about Jesus' and God's promise to be with us. Um, but we don't have to worry about him leaving. We don't have to worry about him kind of getting tired of us or not feeling like we're enough. He has promised to be with us and not leave us and help us and guide us. So relinquish control of our lives to the Lord. We see that he's, we've given our hearts to Jesus. We see that he's connected with us, right? The vine is connected to the branch. We just have to worry about staying connected. We're the branch. We just have to worry, worry or focus on bearing fruit, right? So if we just focus on how do we remain, how do we keep our connection going with the Lord? And it's kind of, I don't want to say simple, but it's not as complicated as giving control. Because to me, that's a hard step, is to kind of give control of your life up. The next step is really, we just spend time with him. And however that looks, everybody is different. But the two things that I um, love is that I was reading, when I was reading the scripture, I was thinking, Jesus is about to go die on the cross. And he knew that he was going to be gone. He needed his disciples to know that they needed to be connected with him. 
But he wasn't going to leave them alone fully. He was gone. His body was here. But he knew that he was going to leave them the Holy Spirit. And he was going to leave them the word that we all have. And if you read scriptures, there's a lot of promises about what the word is and why the word is so important to our lives. In Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of bones and marrow, and a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. In Matthew 4.4 it says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Luke 11:28 says, "Blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it." So he's giving us his word, which is living, a living and powerful tool to help us stay connected with him. He's given us his holy spirit to be our helper, our companion in life. So how how do we spend time with him? Right? I say it kind of seems simple, but life is busy. It's not, it's not easy to say, I've got all this time in the world. I'm just going to spend it with Jesus, right? We still have jobs, and we still have kids to raise, and we still have commitments and schedules, all of those different things. So how do we really find time for Jesus? Because that's really what connection is, remaining in him. So if we can't find time for Jesus, how do we remain in him? So this is kind of where it always got me, I would say. Um, I grew up in the church, and a lot of you know my history, but I grew up, you know, memorizing scripture and understanding the importance of the word of God and the importance of prayer and going to church and all those things. Um, But then I grew up a little bit. I kind of got my own life got my own schedule and it just became busy it became hard to really carve out time for the lord and so there were were seasons in my life where i felt like i was checking the good little boxes obligatory boxes or whatever saying oh i'm a good christian i did my devotional today or i said my prayer i did this or whatever that check boxes that you think you need to kind of check to, to be in connection with the lord it's not about checking a box But there were seasons I was checking my box really good. And then there were seasons that I could barely get that box checked. And the the challenge to living your life kind of in a checking box type of world um, is that you forget that Jesus is there whether you're checking a box or not. And so in those hard seasons of life, I had a really hard time with the church guilt is what I call it because I grew up in the church. But just the guilt. Sometimes it's guilt from ourselves. Sometimes we feel like we're not good enough or we're not doing enough or we're not reading the word enough or we're not serving enough or what all these things. And we're focused on what we're doing. Right. And so when I was doing all of that, I would when I finally found time for Jesus, that's what I want to say, then I felt really guilty. Right. I felt like I was going to him. Kind of like with a kid that just was in trouble, like that knew they did something wrong, right? Or a dog, right, with his tail tucked between his legs, like, oh, I, I know I'm about to get yelled at. That's how I approached Jesus. Even when I eventually found time for him, I didn't approach him with confidence that he loved me 
and with confidence that he wanted to spend time with me. I went kind of a, you know, little shy and guilty and all of those things. Um, and I, d- I do remember it in one season in my life where it was really, really hard. And um, when, when seasons are hard, we spend more time with Jesus, right? We run to him a little bit more, right? And so I was going through a really hard season in life, and I was running to him. And, and I felt like, but I wasn't running to him in confidence still. I was running with him, kind of asking for something, feeling guilty of the choices that I make or the decisions that um, turned my life into whatever it turned my life into. Um, and I really felt like the Lord impressed on my heart um, that I needed to quit checking the box. And that whether I checked the box or not, it did not change my relationship with him. How he viewed me, how he saw me. That he really was with me all the time. He was with me in the good times and the bad times. He didn't want me to I use the quotations, find time for him. He just wanted time with me. All of it. He didn't care if I was folding laundry, taking the kids to wherever I have to take the kids, working, driving in my car. He he didn't care. He wanted to come along with me. He wanted me to see that he was there, acknowledge him, and say, "I'm, I'm bringing you into this part of my life, right? Sometimes it's easy for us to compartmentalize, right? This is my life on Sundays. You know, I'll bring the Lord into big decisions, like if I need to buy a house, right? I definitely want to maybe consult. But do we really bring Jesus along in everything? Even the little decisions? So that's what I, the Lord kind of impressed upon me. And that's what I started to do. I started to say, okay, now that the Lord kind of spoke that to me, and I felt like I had this aha moment, right? I was like, how am I going to do that? How do I bring him along when I'm doing laundry? Right? The Lord doesn't care about my laundry. And he does. He does care about my laundry. Right? I just started talking to him. Inviting him in. I just started acknowledging that he was there. And it, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't like this morning I woke up and I was like, I'm so connected to Jesus. But over time, he became just part of my day. He became part of those super mundane cooking, right? Or going out to coffee with a friend. You know? He just became a part of that. And I kind of stopped worrying about finding time for Jesus and really included him in everything. I could see fruit in my life. When I was in a hard season, I would say my branches bear. There is little to no fruit. I'm, I maybe have a little bit of peace every once in a while, or maybe there's a happiness that I kind of think might be joy, but I really, I didn't have a lot of that in my life. After I started including him in everything, I could see I was more peaceful. I had more joy. The hard times were still hard, but I knew he was faithful, and they were easier to get through. I was bearing fruit. And it wasn't because I was checking off my little boxes about spending time with Jesus and reading his word and all those things. It was because I was including him in everything. And I don't want to say that 
there is not the need to quiet ourselves and get before the Lord, right? I have, I still have to do that. I still have to make time for myself to kind of be quiet so that I can hear the spirit of the Lord, right? I don't want, I don't want you to think, oh, I don't, I don't need to find time to read the word. I just, you know, we'll talk to Jesus all day long. It, there's an important piece to still really studying the word and, and quieting ourselves is the way I can put it so that the, you can hear the Lord speak. But that doesn't mean that that's all you need to do. It's, it's not about checking that box about spending time with him. It's about being with him in all that you do. So what does that look like um, in your life, in my life? I don't know. I can tell you what I've done, what it looks like in my life. But what it looks like in your life with your relationship with the Lord is completely different. Because God is an individual God. His connection with you is completely different than his connection with me. He knows everything about you. The good, the bad, and the ugly, right? He knows your love language is. He knows where you need encouragement. He knows what your life looks like in whatever season that you're in, whether it's good or bad, whether it's hectic and busy. He knows. All I can do is encourage you to ask him to recognize that he wants you connected with him always and through every situation. He wants to be in the mundane, cooking and the cleaning and the laundry. He wants to be in the fun, the vacations, the coffee with friends. But he also wants to be in the hard when your marriage is not going great. He wants to be there. When parenting is challenging, because we all know that is the hard job you'll ever have. <laughs> it's not easy. But what I've started to realize is the Holy Spirit knows my kids better than I know my kids. And so when something's going on with them, right, back to the control thing, I immediately want to kind of control the situation. Damage control, right? Keep them from ruining their lives. But you consult the Holy Spirit. You talk to, talk to the Holy Spirit. Read the Word. And follow what the Lord tells you to do. What do you need to do in your marriage? doesn't matter what your friends say. What your family says. What does the Holy Spirit say you need to do in your marriage? What does the Holy Spirit say you need to do with your kids? How do you need to parent them differently? And this isn't a one-time thing. I can't, I can't stand here and say, I got that epiphany from the Lord however long ago, and my connection is always super strong. Because it's not. Because life is hard. Things are hard. People are hard. <laughs> it's difficult. But what you have to do is stay connected. Remaining in Him is not... Remain doesn't mean a one time. It's a continual connection to the Lord. It is a continual 
connection. And it will go down, just like your Wi-Fi does, right? It will go down. You'll run out of data, you'll feel like. Or you'll go through that really patchy spot when you're driving. And you're like, okay, if I can just get through this dead zone, then I can talk to somebody again, right? Maybe you're in a dead zone in your life. And you feel like, I can just hang on, just grip it, you know? There's that country song about going through hell. Just hold on, you'll get through, right? Maybe that's where you're at. But you can always be connected, even in the dead zone. There are no dead zones with Jesus, unless we choose him to be. So what do we do when our Wi-Fi is down? I know what we do when our literal Wi-Fi is down. But what do we do when our Wi-Fi with the Lord is down? When our connection with him is down? Do we even recognize it? Or do we just say, oh, it was a hard day? Or it was angry. Angry It's that person's fault. Do we think, maybe I need to spend a little time with Jesus and look at my anger. When we're selfish, complaining, irritated. Do you check your connection with the Lord? Because those aren't fruits of the Spirit. I mean, they're not. I mean, self-control is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We, do we all have self-control all the time? I love that little meme that says, I think I have self-control until I'm sitting in front of um, a, ba- a Mexican restaurant with a basket of chips and salsa. Right? Then we don't have self-control anymore. Right? And it's a funny joke to look at ourselves with food, but... But if we're having an area where we're struggling with self-control, do we recognize that as, oh, I'm not bearing a lot of fruit in that area in my life. What's going on with my connection? Am I remaining in him? Because he has promised us through this scripture, if we remain in him, he will remain in us and we'll bear fruit. Much fruit. But we have to be connected to him. The only connection that matters is your connection with Jesus. Your connection with Jesus is the only connection that gives life. True life. And there are a lot of things we can be connected to in this day and age. So I want us to kind of Think of a few things. Give us a time to really let Holy Spirit speak about kind of where you're at. Are you here today? And maybe you don't have a connection word. Maybe you haven't given your heart to him. Maybe your branch isn't even connected to the vine. So it's great to listen to this message. But the first step is being connected to the vine. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know, I am connected to the vine. I've given my life to Jesus. But I still kind of want to hold on to this part of my life. I'm not ready to relinquish that peace. 
Maybe you're being reminded that you have to relinquish that control. You cannot find your purpose without finding your place. Maybe God's not pointing out anything to you that you need to relinquish control with, right? Maybe the Holy Spirit's focused on your connection with Him. Maybe you're in a dead zone. Or maybe you're where I was years ago and felt like your branch had little to no fruit. And you're trying to do everything that you think good little Christians should do by checking off those boxes. But you don't, you don't understand why, why there's no fruit. Wherever you're at, Jesus wants to be connected to you. I talked about how people long for connection. I mean, we do. But we're made in his image. So he longs for connection too. And he wants connection with you, with me, 